Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now podcasting from scenic Colorado Springs, Colorado, here's your host, Jason Day. Welcome, friends, to the Church Leaders Podcast. This week, I had the opportunity to chat with Natasha Sistrunk-Robinson. Natasha is a devoted ministry leader and an important voice in the contemporary church. She's a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy and served as a captain in the Marine Corps before completing her master's at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. She founded and leads Leadership Links, a faith-based nonprofit, and she's a contributing editor to Outreach Magazine and has authored several books, including her most recent, A Sojourner's Truth. On this week's episode, Natasha and I talk about the relationship between leadership, discipleship, and mentoring. We also discuss healthy ways ministry leaders can approach community transformation in their cities and what we can easily overlook in the church when we fail to recognize women leaders in ministry. It's a great conversation, and so now I invite you to join me in my conversation with Natasha Robinson. Natasha, welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast. It's so good to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. Looking forward to it. Yes, uh, as, as I am uh, as well. Now, first, I want to congratulate you on your latest book, A Sojourner's Truth, Choosing Freedom and Courage in a Divided World. Very exciting book, a book that um, I really think that uh, for our church, um, Capital C Church, is, is a mm-hmm. uh, important important book to kind of dig into. So thank you for, and I know you dug in when, I mean, this was one of those books where you really dug in. I mean, you shared a lot. And so I thank you for um, just kind of being obedient to how God was speaking into your life and and providing this uh, for the church. So congratulations. Thank you so much for that. Now, yeah. Thank you for sharing those words about the book. I mean, it's really good for me whenever I get to hear people who who've encountered it and and how the Lord is speaking to them through it. So I, I appreciate that. Yeah, sister. Yeah. Very, very, very powerful stuff. Now, uh, one of the things that really seems to mark your life is um, really your heart for leadership, right? Now, you share that you, you've you been driven um, pretty much throughout your life. You were driven in athletics and academics. Uh, you're a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy. You served as an officer in the Marine Corps. You served in the Department of Homeland Security. You graduated from Gordon Cornwell Theological Seminary. You've been really, really engaged in uh, just part of your life, this whole idea of leadership. What, Natasha, has contributed to your desire to really be a leader over the years? Uh, Initially, I don't think I necessarily had a desire to be a leader. It's just something that was pretty natural to me. Mm -hmm. And um, I noticed that first in in middle school. I had um, my peers voted me student body president in in eighth grade, <laughs> you know, my right. teachers uh, held me to a higher standard than the rest of the kids in school. Uh, my parents, you know, kind of made me believe I can do anything I wanted to do, those type things. And so I leadership just very, felt very natural to me. And so, you know, the question about whether leaders are born or made, I, I say both, <laughs> right? And so I felt like I was, I was born, I'm the oldest child. So okay. that's, you know, that I have that, I'm the first child, so I have that, um, at work as well, but I feel like I was born with that spiritual gift, which is what the Bible refers to it as. And then um, I've been given opportunities along my way, my journey to um, practice and learn um, what it means to be a great leader, I think. That's awesome. Now, Natasha, in your book, A Sojourner's Truth, you spend considerable time on both character and leadership development. 
And you've mm-hmm. said that you cannot lead others until you first lead yourself. So I'm wondering, Natasha, what, what really sustains you as you continue to develop as a leader? Well, in the book in particular, I chart my leadership journey and my life and faith journey alongside that of Moses and an Exodus narrative. And one thing I learned in watching Moses' story is that what sustained him in the wilderness was really the presence of the Lord. And so for me, that has been um, my journey as well. I've had quite a bit of wilderness experiences in my adult life. And there were times I felt, I, I can name you the times I felt in life like Jesus was all that I had. <laughs> right. right. And so um, the presence of the Lord has really sustained me um, along along my life and, and leadership journey. That's awesome. Now, are there some, maybe some regular practices that you engage in, maybe daily practices or, or some sort of a weekly rhythm that kind of helps mm-hmm. you recognize the presence of the Lord in your life? Yeah, I think um, for me... That that can be seasonal, and I don't mean like changing with the seasons, just depending on kind of where what what place God has me in at the time. Mm-hmm. But I'm always I'm, I'm a pretty avid Bible reader. Um, I, I try to read large chunks of of the Word. I, I try to be very intentional in in keeping my Sabbath. Uh, I work pretty hard. I, I enjoy work, but really using the one day of the week to rest. I really try to be intentional about re- uh, retreating, uh, depending on what. It's going on a, a few times a year because um, I think that we live in a very noisy and busy world. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes we have to follow the words of Jesus that's come away with me a while to rest. <laughs> yeah. right? And so I do I do that. And, and I, I read quite a bit. I mean, so even you know, in the same way that you spoke about what you saw in reading my story, I get that from reading a lot of other people as well. You know, I, I read a good bit of like Ruth Haley Barton or Henry Now and, you know, people that I, I try to read people that are maybe have a different bend a little bit than I do. So we all are leading, but I know like my, I, I'm more of a type A kind of bend. And so when I have people that encourage me to, to not be that, um, that's helpful for good spiritual formation. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so those things are kind of some of the things, uh, you know, praying of course and, and, and fasting as the Lord leads, um, are things that I, I practice as well. And, and I think community is a large part of that. Mm. You know, being with like-minded people who, you know, the iron sharpening iron and, and people are going to kind of point a, hold a mirror up to you about yourself. You know, my spouse does that. My Lord knows my kid does that. My, <laughs> my You know, I have, I have great friends who do that for me. So I think all of those, all those things together are uh, a part of my, my spiritual formation. Yeah, that's, that's good. And you know what? I, I really appreciate that you talked about Kind of honoring the sabbath you know taking that sabbath mm-hmm. time taking that rest time and even as you talked about you know kind of listening to voices you know reading reading things that aren't necessarily you know that are a little little outside of your own experience right because and that plays into that whole idea of community right we're, we're better together mm-hmm. we grow as we learn from one another's experiences when we begin to listen to others experiences but within within the body of christ it helps all of us to grow and develop and Oftentimes we find that leadership, as you well know, and even, you know, mentioned this, that, you know, it can be can be taxing. I mean, it, it takes a lot of time and energy, both physically oftentimes, but also mentally and emotionally. So the value and the importance of, of keeping that Sabbath, of getting away, of listening to others' voices, I think is so incredibly powerful. So I, I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing that. Now, you've poured much of your energy 
into helping others become leaders, right? Um, you started a faith-based nonprofit, Leadership Links, mm-hmm. and it really mm-hmm. focuses in on, on mentoring uh, as, as, I, mm-hmm. as I look into it and, and from what I understand. Uh, can you share with us a bit about how you view, view the relationship between like leadership, discipleship, and mentoring? How does that all come together? Mm-hmm. Sure. So I'll start from the end, the mentoring and discipleship connection. So my first book was actually titled Mentor for Life, and the subtitle was Finding Purpose Through Intentional Discipleship. And what I saw, I've been in the church all my life in various denominations and church contexts and different diverse groups of people, okay? And so, um, and because I write, I'm connected to pastors and church leaders and um, other Christian influencers. And um, so we're having conversations all the time. And what I found in the local context, unfortunately, in good Bible teaching churches, that people are not often talking about discipleship. Mm. And if they're talking about discipleship, they really don't even know how, how to make disciples. Right. <laughs> and so it's a word that we are throwing around. But like, if you ask your layperson in a pew, like, how do you, how do you make disciples? Like, what is that all about? They couldn't give you a lot of uh, consistent answers about that. So that was that was very concerning for for me, and so I took what the Bible calls us to be disciples, followers of Jesus, and um, to do to make disciples, followers of Jesus, and I connected it with something that people, particularly those in the marketplace, were more familiar with this whole idea of mentoring, and so I started with mentoring and then work people in in that book and in my ministry when I was leaving. Um, mentoring discipleship ministry at my church, working them towards, you know, Jesus as the one who disciples us and Jesus as the one who mentors us um, so that we can disciple and, and mentor other people as, as well. And so that's the connection I make between mentoring and, and I say intentional discipleship, because mm-hmm. I think, again, even when the word is used, people not really like, what does that mean to disciple somebody? Right, right. And so I wanted to talk, I wanted to talk to them about some very specific things of, you know, making disciples of, um, you know, the, the spiritual disciplines that you're talking about, uh, building a safe community, like you know, very intentional things about, about that, in addition to, you know, Bible reading and praying every day, which we encourage as well. Mm-hmm. And so that's the connection for me between mentoring and discipleship. And then when I look at leadership and mentoring, um, the way I was trained in the military, particularly at the Naval Academy, is that mentoring is built into the system of how the Naval Academy creates leaders. And so the idea is that when you're a freshman, you don't need anything because you don't know anything, but you have a youngster, a sophomore who is mentoring you um, and just to kind of help you get through that first year. And then everyone has a different leadership role. So as you go up in the system, you take on more of a leadership role for all those students and midshipmen that are, are under you. And it's the same way between the officers and enlisted personnel that are on staff. They play a mentoring role for all the midshipmen, the students that are learning there. And so for me, mentorship was a natural part of leadership because that's just how I was trained. And when I look at the work that we were doing in the military, bringing people from diverse groups of different ages all together to work towards one common mission, I'm like, the military does that very well. Mm-hmm. And I look at the church and saying we have an eternal mission, and we got people trying to, like, they don't really know how to get the mission accomplished. <laughs> right, right, right. And, and when I think about the mission, I'm thinking about the kingdom mission and, and God, you know, drawing all things, reconciling all things and all people into himself. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, well, the way to do that 
is to make intentionally make disciples who make disciples. And then you have a whole bunch of people out here living on purpose for for, for God, for Jesus, you know, as king of this kingdom that he is setting up, which will have a, um, an eternal bearing. And so um, for me, that's just been how I have been trained. It's how I've been spiritually formed. Um, so professionally, personally, and spiritually, um, that's just who I am. And and so we've taken kind of that that framework, that passion, um, and, and brought it into this nonprofit that I've been able to um, now grow and, and build with other like-minded, Jesus-loving, public servant people. That's awesome. You know, Natasha, it's so interesting that, because um, I never thought about the point that you that you brought up in regard to the, the military and how the military brings together people from all different backgrounds, right? Socioeconomic mm-hmm. backgrounds, um, mm-hmm. you know, they bridge a gender gap and they, you know, different races, different ethnicities, you know, yep. different upbringings. And they bring all those people together and get them focused in on on one thing. One thing. And it's so true. Yep. You say we reflect the church and the church doesn't do that as well. I, I think there's lots of room for improvement for us in the church. Um, to try to, and we've got the, the best mission in the world. Our mission's all about life. Our mission, you know, it's it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, the calling of Christ, right? So, man, that, that's that's fascinating. As we dig into um, leadership links, the the nonprofit that you started, um, can you tell us like what really compelled you to start that? You know, what did you see was kind of missing in the community, and you felt that you could kind of step in and, and help. A few things. So one, um, I do agree, and I think people will tell you, like, leadership can be an isolating existence. And so on one hand, I wanted to bring together like-minded people as a, to be a source of encouragement and support for each other. Um, and so that was that was one part of it. Uh, the other, and that's the network. So LINK stands for our core values of love, inspiration, network, knowledge, and service. And so that was a network element of it. And then um, when we got together, we said, we don't just want to support each other, but we also want to invest. And the idea was we want to be able to come together and do things that are bigger and greater, like God-sized things together that we know um, none of us could do with the same level of impact individually. And so that was the whole idea of service. And then, which is the S in our core, uh, in our core values. But when we thought about that, we said, well, what are the passions? What are the things that bring us together? Um, it was our faith in Jesus Christ. It was our idea of public service. It was our leadership expertise. All these people are Naval Academy graduates and former or, or retired um, military officers. It was our love and, and passion and desire for mentorship. And then um, our commitment to education. And so when we looked at those five things that brought us together, we said we want to intentionally come together and raise up the next generation of leaders. And so that's the foundation and the catalyst of of prayer that brought us together and got us to a point. We didn't even think we were going to start a nonprofit. That was not the conversation at all. We mm-hmm. just said we just want to get together and be on mission to do stuff for God. And so kind of one thing led to another and this thing led to that thing. And then here we are now, three years later, with a, a leadership um summer program with the, pro- the focus of that program is middle and high school girls of um, the targeted audience for that and then we have a mentoring program we started that last year that's all year long all the, the whole academic year we meet with middle and high school girls my husband actually is on our board of advisors he just started a pilot program for middle school boys and then we do some college prep 
in education as as well. And um, we're really just making that the big thing that sets us apart for nonprofits that do leadership and mentoring for kids, right? Because um, that's not even what we, we say we do is that we're not thinking about it as our program. And we're thinking about us making long-term investments in people's lives to see their lives transformed for the for the goodness of God's kingdom. And so that when they grow into adulthood, they will be leaders who are Christ followers that make an impact wherever they go. And particularly these people, um, out these young people, we think they'll be serving in the marketplace because um, I, I think, you know, seminaries prepare pastors to preach, you know, and, right. and they, we have a lot of we have a lot of um, structures and, and organizations to prepare people who are going to work inside the church. We do a very poor job of equipping uh, Christians to live fully um, where they are and, and wherever God leads them to work in the marketplace. And so we sometimes look at people who are doing that and saying, well, that's less important work and not realizing that the whole we were created to work from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. That the consequence, that was not a consequence of a fall. So us working is part of our humanity, really. And so we, how is it that we get people on mission for Christ to honor the Lord in their work and in their relationship? Yeah, Natasha, there's so many good things in there that, that, that I just love. First, um, I think it's so, so healthy that as you kind of uh, approach this, and, and like you said, God just kind of put the pieces together to eventually launch this nonprofit, but initially you were really just doing the kind of the, as you mentioned earlier, the iron sharpening iron, like, hey, we mm-hmm. are, we're, you know, like-minded people, we love Jesus, we believe that um, God calls us to contribute, you know, to the kingdom here and now, and so how can we come together and how can we encourage one another and how can we do just that? And then you looked at, okay, what are those things that we have in common? How do we think God is speaking into our lives now? How, how can we make a difference? How can we contribute? And then this beautiful you know, nonprofit was birthed out of, out of that. I think that's such a healthy way because sometimes I think we rush in and we're like, because there's so many needs in our world. So we rush in and we're like, mm-hmm. okay, here's this mm-hmm. need. And we kind of dive in and, and try to figure out how we can somehow – help meet that need or help serve in that way. And we haven't taken the time to really make sure that there's kind of a healthy foundation as to, you know, seeking God and saying, God, where are you at work? Where are you calling us to step into? So, so I love that you took that perspective on this whole thing. Uh, the other thing that I've, so it, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to just tell you, yeah. before we even started to do a single program or event, and this goes into the conversation about spiritual disciplines, like the people that were originally like our founding, what became our founding board members, like we met and prayed together for three years before we did wow. a single thing. Wow. Before we did a single thing. And so when we moved, it was very clear that God was at work. And so um, not to say that that made it easy, but it certainly gave us the motivation and encouragement to, to act. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. That's so good. I love that. Another thing that you mentioned that I just absolutely love, you know, um, you talked about the fact that seminaries, Bible colleges, you know, were good at, at helping, you know, train people and encourage people to serve within the church. But there are a lot more people who aren't pastors, who aren't ministry leaders. You know, I mean, there are a lot more people outside of the church vocationally than within the church. And and that's a huge gap. And so I, I love the heart that you guys have in saying, hey, listen, how can we help um, train and disciple and mentor and, and, you know, help develop these young leaders who will be serving um, vocationally in the marketplace, you know, and, and that they can be the light of Christ 
um, wherever wherever life takes them. And and I think that's just such a um, again a very very healthy outlook on how do we um, really disciple right and uh, how mm-hmm. how do we help mm-hmm. that come to pass. So I, I love that. Now Natasha, pastors seem to be considering more and more how they can help kind of initiate or assist with community transformation. You know, mm-hmm. you, you hear stories of pastors like really saying, hey, listen, it's not just about building our church, you know what I mean? But it's about how do we impact our community. So what recommendations, and we kind of touched on, on some things uh, just as you were sharing your story about how you guys came to eventually launch Leadership Links, but but what recommendations w- would you have for a ministry uh, leader, a pastor who's listening today, who has this stirring within them, this desire to positively impact their community, what would you recommend that they, you know, how, where, where would you recommend they start and what steps would you might encourage them to, to consider? So number one, absolutely, obviously prayer, right? right. So prayer is always good. And so, <laughs> you know, I think about if I was to go back to military language uh, and, and particularly in the Marine Corps. So I, I graduated from the Naval Academy, served six years as an officer in the Marine Corps. And one thing they kept drilling into us is mission accomplishment and troop welfare. You've got to understand your mission, and you've got to understand and, and know how to take care of your people. Mm. And so I think depending on whatever your local congregation is, like some, some churches are better at one or the other, but it's, it's very rare you find a church that's good at both, <laughs> right. like taking care of people and understanding the mission, right? And so I think us understanding um, the relational elements, like, like are you really connected to the community that is a people but also a place? Mm. Right. Like, are you connected to the community? I would say again, that is the people and also a place. And so you need to know your place, your city, your town, your your suburb, whatever. And you need your schools. Right. Um, your political leaders. Like, right? You need to know your place and then you need to know your people. So that's a relationship element. So the prayer element, the relationship element and, and that from that knowing what I hope, and I think the the church uh, going forward of the future is going to have to get better in in partnering. Um, I think so often, even dealing with other churches or different denominations, we are so isolated, mm-hmm. and we are not good in connecting with people who are like minded. And it doesn't have to just be church people, but I think having the relationships in the community will expand your knowledge and understanding about how to tr- strategically partner with people um, in the community for various things. You know, knowing where the resources are, knowing um, what's working, knowing what the needs are, those type of things. Um, so. You can be a person of influence. Again, Jesus prayed in John 17. I'm not praying, Father, that you take them out of the world. I'm praying that you sanctify them in the world. Right. Right. And so I think so often we are afraid about what will happen if we get in the world or connect with the world or partner with the world. It's like that is part of the job. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That's part of the job. And so we need to be prayerful in how we partner with people. Um, And I'm not saying be unequally yoked. Right. Don't send a lot of scriptures our way. I understand. I read the whole Bible. (laughs) Um, You know, but what I'm saying is, is that we need to have wisdom and discernment in how best to serve the people in the community that God is called us to. And then I think the last thing about that, which probably comes right after prayer, is to be to ask the Lord. Part of that prayer is asking the Lord, what have you called us to? Mm. I would submit, you know, big picture, we all have the same mission of making disciples, but you need a mission for your church that is unique from what all the other churches in the, in the area are doing. Otherwise, all y'all need to be, need to be churching together. 
<laughs> right. right? And so, like, what, like, who are the people that God is calling you to reach, you know, and what is, and, and what is it that God has called you to do specifically in that community with that, you know, group of people for at this particular point in history? And I don't know if an, a lot of churches have that conversation with their leadership team, but I think getting clarity about that um, with the leadership team will impact how they train their lay leaders will, and who, you know, have the direct or first touch with those, you know, lay people or, or on the ground or grassroots, however you describe it. And so um, I think having that clarity from the Lord up front um, as we pray will shape all those other things I talked about. Yeah, that, that, that that's really good, Natasha. And, and one of the things I was thinking of as you were um, talking about Sometimes the challenges we have, as you said, to to really partner within our communities, to partner with other churches and other organizations within the community. I was thinking about, you know, it brought to mind that, you know, within our churches, um, our local church, you know, we're really good about talking about the body of Christ and how, you know, they're it's made up of different members, right? And we talk and we look at that with our local church and we're like, yeah, everyone has their place to play and that's the diversity and we've come together and and but we can take that to, you know, citywide and say, hey, listen, the body of Christ is made up of different members, right? Different churches. Like you said, they're, you know, each church is a unique expression of the body of Christ. And so how do we all fit mm-hmm. together to accomplish something greater across the entire city? So I think that that idea of really partnering and, and really challenging pastors to pray through that. And like you said, mm. talk through that with your leadership and think, okay, this is how God's speaking into our church. Um, these are the strengths he's blessed us with. These are the gifts he's blessed us with. Now, how does that fit into the bigger picture of the body of Christ across our entire city? And then what are the needs and how can we contribute in some way? So, man, I, I, I love that. And I think that's one of those things, like you said, I think we're getting um, better at it. I, I, you know, as I travel the country and, and talk with pastors and, and uh, ministry leaders, I, I see us getting better at partnering. But I still think, as you said, we have a, a long way to go. You know, we have to really cultivate an openness for collaboration. And uh, I, I love that. It's great stuff. One of the things that um, you, you really highlight in your book is you really kind of encourage us to think about how these bridges can be built across a lot of these divides, right? So uh, racial, mm-hmm. ethnic, socioeconomic, and, and gender, as well. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Natasha, I want to ask you, as a, as a female ministry leader, what do you see are some of the challenges that um, churches might create when it comes to this gender gap and recognizing women as leaders? I think um, we just don't know what to do with women leaders, mm. like women who are clear about their call. And I'm not even talking about to pastoring. I'm just saying women who have a gift of leadership. And that can look different in different contexts. We don't know what to do with that type of woman. <laughs> um, and I think, I think that's unfortunate because um, what we see if we are attentive to the text and um, the reading of the text is that um, throughout history, God has used women in a mighty way to mm-hmm. shape um, his people and the trajectory of, you know, his mission and how he's trying to speak to people, how he's at work among people. So even in um, this, you know, again, a, a Sojourner's Truth, I'm sharing my story alongside the story of Moses and the Exodus narrative. And most of the time when people preach uh, about Moses, they're, they're talking about how great of a leader he is. And he, and he was a great leader, but he didn't start out that way, right? right. And I think more important, more important than that, 
um, when I think about chapter two, what I write about in that chapter is grace and the subtitle, like truth is women are the unsung heroes in this world. And so what I said was that Moses became a rescuer by and large, you know, and due in part to that he was, um, he was rescued so many times in his own life, and every time he had been rescued by a woman. Mm. And so when you think about him being born and the midwives, you know, not killing him, right. you know, and, and you think about, you know, his mother hiding him away, you know, she has this plan to hide him away and then crafting this plan to send him off. And then the sister stand and watch to make sure that he gets there. And then, you know, Pharaoh's daughter taking him in. I mean, he's an enemy of the state and and he's a boy. And so that could have been an act of treason. So, and, and understand the Israelites were slaves. She could have had any baby she wants. Right, right. <laughs> she could have took, but she chose to keep a boy. And that was a, that was a big deal. She chose to keep a boy, and he could have been murdered. And and then you think about he he flees the Midian and and marries Zipporah, and doesn't circumcise his son, which the Lord you know required from his covenant with Abraham. And God is about to kill him, is what the Bible says. Mm. And so Zipporah is the one that circumcised the child, which caused God to spare Moses' life. And so when I did an interview last week, and this this woman said, I've never heard it so said like that before. I said, because you probably hadn't had it preached to you by a woman. <laughs> That's the truth, you know, right, you know, right. You know, they're, they're just not looking for these things in the text, right? Right. It's kind of like when I went to a conference a few years ago and someone, you know, um, the, the passage begins, oh, like the Book of Ruth, there was a famine in the land. Well, in America, we don't know what famine is. We go to the grocery store, we go to the refrigerator, you know, we go to fast food restaurants. We don't know what it's like to not have food available, mm. right? So we just read over that and think it's not a big deal. It's like, no, food was not available. There was nowhere to go or look to get food or water. And we don't have a context for that. And so when we don't have a context for something, we miss what God is doing in that space. And so I'm just saying that we have to have a context of openness for how God is using women throughout the Bible, but also throughout history and now, and specifically because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will be poured out among all flesh in the last days, mm. and that old men and young men, you know, men and women, old and young, will prophesy and dream dreams and follow, you know, the work of, of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if we're not um, welcoming the work of the Holy Spirit that is at work in women, particularly in women leaders, then what we need to understand is that the entire church is missing out. Mm. And so I, I just want us to be encouraged. You know, I love the words of the Lausanne Congress, the Lausanne Covenant. It says the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole world. I just, my heart is I want the whole church on mission for God and taking the whole gospel into the world. Because that is what God requires of us. That is that that is so good, and I love the, I love the perspective you bring to that, and that's so very true. That that um, if if we're not familiar with it, then we're going to miss it, and mm-hmm. and so as part of that is we need to look at you know women in ministry and uh, women leaders and and really listen and allow them to help us. Um, you know, speaking from a man's perspective, help us really see the richness and the beauty that we'd otherwise never see. 
as you've mm-hmm. as you've clearly shared. I love that. What encouragement would you give to to pastors? And this is just kind of anything, anything that's on your heart right now. You've got kind of a captive audience, a bunch of pastors, um, mm-hmm. ministry leaders, and maybe it's something that we touched on. Um, but as we're winding down, it might be something that we haven't touched on. But are, are there any um, kind of final words of encouragement that you like to share with with uh, the ministry leaders listening today? Yes, I just will give you two short sentences. Actually, um, they're they're written in the preface of um, of a Sojourner's Truth, and uh, you know, basically talking about what my heart is and what I want people to get out of it. And I said, the first thing is we need to hear more stories that originate with and feature the voices and experiences of people of color. And second, we need to see more men and women working and leading together across generations to advance the kingdom of God. And so my encouragement to pastors would be to be intentional in how we are listening and hearing to the stories of people of color from people of color Mm. and the diversity of people of color, not just the people of color we are familiar with or comfortable with. Right? right, because we are not a monotheistic group as as black people or Latina people or you know um, indigenous people or whatever, and the second part of that is to relationally be intentional and in thinking about how we are men and women across generations working together mm. in our various roles, thinking about first Corinthians chapter twelve and and the body in all those various parts, and all of us have a function, and if we're working together, then the body the entire body is healthy. That's the metaphor that, that is being used there. So how can we as pastors, as leaders, have men and women across generations working together to advance the kingdom of God? That's so good, Natasha. Thank you so much for being with us. Real quickly before you go, um, can you tell our listeners, uh, one, how they can how they can find your book? And then secondly, mm-hmm. um, how they can kind of connect with you if there are ways that they can connect with you online? Absolutely. So the book is available um, online at ivypress.com. That's my publisher, University Press. It's available at Barnes & Noble. It's available at christianbook.com. And I feel like someplace else that I'm missing, but any one of those places would be good to get it. And then you can connect with me at my website, natashasrobinson.com, N-A-T-A-S-H-A-S, Robinson. R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N dot com. And so all of my social media things are there, my speaking and consulting and coaching and all of that stuff, all the information for all of that is in all of my resources as well is available there. Excellent. Excellent. And for our listeners, we will have a link to Natasha's website and then a link to um, her newest book, A Sojourner's Truth. And we'll have those in the show notes. Um, so you can check those out at churchleaders.com slash podcast and uh, get direct links to all that. So, Natasha, I just want to thank you so much uh, for being here with us, for sharing. Thank you for um, how God is is using you and just your willingness uh, to, to just be courageously obedient as he guides and directs. And, and uh, so appreciate what you've shared with us today on the interview and what you've really shared through uh, your newest book, A Sojourner's Truth. So God bless you, sister. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I thank you for your time. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders Podcast, and if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit 
from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the FaithPlay app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well. You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles, videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.